Well, let's just dive into this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start something tonight. probably going to take me a couple weeks, but boy, I feel like it is so good. And it's, it's on holiness. And something that I've found, it seems like, uh, shoot, I didn't want to do that. You know, we hear the word holy, we sing the word holy, but do we really know what it means? And we, do we know what God wants from us? And uh, if you would, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, because I want you to know that holiness is a unique attribute of God. You've all heard God is holy, right? It's, it's what He is. It's an attribute of Him. Other attribu- attributes would be power, love, wisdom, um, you know, and, and those we can understand a little bit better because we can, see, we can see that in our fellow neighbors sometimes. We see someone who we know that has wisdom or might even have power or might even show love. But what about holy? You know, we, I don't think that we, we relate that to one another. Uh, John Wesley defined holy as perfect love. But I want to take that one step farther and say it's a combination of God's righteousness and God's love. Think about holy. What is holy? You know, I think sometimes, I think that if we could get a grasp of God's holiness, it would help unlock a door to us in worship. We sing it, but do we understand it? That God is holy. God is a holy, holy God. And love invites you to come but righteousness says that you're unfit to come. You know, those two things, I believe, have a built-in tension in holiness. Have you ever noticed that as you worship, sometimes you feel that love and you're drawn into the presence of the Lord, but at the same time, conviction comes? Why? Because we need to get cleaned up before we go before a holy God. And it's a great thing. Can you imagine that God wants to fix you before he gets with you? He wants to get you right. He wants to get the slate clean because you're about to go out and face some more challenges. And you don't need to continue facing them with all this baggage. God says, no, 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 no. I'll take care of that. Not only that, not only will I clean that up, but you'll get to come into the presence of God. That's the good stuff. That's what kind of we were starting to experience a little bit tonight is the manifest presence of God. Well, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but as, as a worship team or if you're in your car and you're worshiping, anybody here when you're worshiping, do you ever cry? Sometimes it's a positive cry. Sometimes it's a cry of hurt. I believe that God is, it will do everything, will, has done everything to clean us, to purify us. And you know, purification sometimes takes heat. But let's talk about the characteristics of God's people. God's Word tells us that holiness is to be a characteristic of the people of God. Consider this, Hebrews 12, verse 9. Oh, uh, Mikey, I'm sorry, I didn't give these to you. Hebrews 12, verse 9. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Verse, uh, I believe it's verse ten. For they indeed, for they indeed, 
For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he, God, for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now what's he talking about? He's talking about correction. That correction comes for our profit. So that we might be able to partake of his holiness. Man, that's good. God desires that we partake of his holiness. Verse 14 of Hebrews 12 adds, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Man, you need to let this drink in because this is pretty deep. First, I I want you to catch this word because I love this word. Pursue. Everybody say pursue. That means go after. It means we don't need to wait for peace to come find us and that everyone else should be peaceful with us, that we should pursue peace. How many of you this week have had opportunities either for peace or war? You know what our call is? Is to pursue peace. And when we pursue peace, we prepare ourselves for the presence of the Lord. We are to pursue peace and holiness. Okay, so we've got to figure out how do we pursue holiness. We have to make holiness an objective. So first, we pursue holiness. We make it an objective. Second, in order to achieve holiness, we've got to pursue peace. You know, I think that we would probably like to mark out that. You know, I, you know, I, think, the trans, I think it got lost in translation. It meant not, not all. All is hard, isn't it? (laughs) All. Everybody say all. Mm. We're We're to pursue peace with all people. We are to attempt to live, attempt to live peacefully. Not allowing quarreling or disagreement that is within our power to avoid. Let me tell you, sometimes you cannot avoid it. Sometimes it comes to you. But our job is to pursue peace and holiness. We are to pursue it. The writer of Hebrews here has also given us a very solemn warning. He says, what will we get if we don't do this? We will not see the Lord. It's a biggie for me. We will not see the Lord unless we become partakers of His holiness. Another scripture, uh, Mikey, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. 1, chapter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says, For this is the will of God. That's one of those that you should say, okay. Do you all remember the commercials from the 80s when E.F. Hutton t- speaks? Mikey, can you find it? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God. Now what I've got is your, yeah, your sanctification. We're going to stop there. So what is sanctification? I'm going to tie these together. The English language sometimes obscures the true meaning of this word. But I want you to catch this kind of in our English language. When you see a word that ends with I-F-Y, you know what it means? I-F-Y. Sanctify. It means to cause to become. 
to cause to become. So if you talk about purify, what does that mean? To make pure. What about clarify? To make clear. What about uh, rectify? See if anybody get this one. To make right. To make right. So if we continue this, what does sanctify mean? It means to, to sanct, to make sanct. And a der, uh, derivation, sanct, is the same word as saint. And in turn, saint is the same word as holy. All three of these words, sanctify, saint, and holy, are, are derived from the same Greek word, which is hagios, which means holy. Very simply, the sanctification, therefore sanctification, is the process of making holy. So we read here, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. So if it's the will of God, then I need to figure out how do I get sanctified? How do I step into holiness? Why do I need holiness? So that I can see God. But, but because he's going to profit me when I pursue peace and holiness, it's going to profit me. Did you remember? He brings correction so that he can profit us so that we can come into the presence of the Lord, so that we can partake of his holiness. That's what it said. Y'all remember? So do we need correction for holiness? Yes. Yay. Correction. Everybody loves that word, right? No, I heard that. So if we, if we uh, then accurately translate 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, we can say, for this is the will of God that you be made holy. Verse 4 continues, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification, which is a condition of holiness, and honor. Man, that's a deep, deep scripture. Appropriately, this verse contains a phrase that has become to, to the English knowledge. I want you to catch this, know how. Anybody ever use that expression, know how? It takes scriptural know-how to achieve the condition of holiness. We will never obtain or partake of holiness without knowing his word. We have to know his word. A person's vessel is what? Are we still got that up? A person's vessel is what? Our body. Thank you. The earthen vessel of the human spirit. And you know, so many times, even Christians will speak of the body as evil, something to be ashamed of. But the body is not evil. It's good. It's one of the supreme achievements of God's creative genius. Man can't do it. Man will never be able to do it. How he made us to work like we work, it will blow your mind. The body is good. And you know, David even said, speaking of his own body, he said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He could see himself in what God had made. And he didn't have mirrors. That was a joke. We look in the mirror and we think, ooh, I wish I hadn't have seen that. I'm, I'm kidding. They probably did have mirrors. I don't know. That was a joke. Anyway. David viewed the marvel of his body with awe and wonder through the eyes of the Lord. So why should believers know how to keep their bodies in a condition of holiness? Let's look at Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7 verse 48. And I apologize. I usually give this to them ahead of time and I haven't. 
but just follow with me. The Most High does not dwell in temples made of hands. The Most High does not dwell in temples made of hands. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? You were not made by hands. You were made by God. And only is that worthy of being filled by God. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. God has ordained one temple on earth to dwell in. And it's not a temple made with hands, but of the body of the sanctified believer. So, each one of us needs to know how to keep our body in good, fit condition for God to dwell in. So, um, I'm almost out of time. It's going to be fine. I'm gonna, I, I want to start giving you what are the agents of sanctification. The agents, I'm going to give you five agents. I'm not going to get through them tonight, but five agents of the sanctification. And when I, of sanctification. How does Scripture picture the process of sancti, sanctification and what part do we play in it? So we're going to look at five agents of sanctification. Number one is the Holy Spirit. Number one is the Holy Spirit. Um, we are a spirit-filled church. We are a spirit-filled Baptist church. And, you know, just chew on that one for a while. But, but we are. We believe in the fullness of the Spirit. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And we believe in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show you why you need the Holy Spirit. Now, did you receive a portion of the Holy Spirit when you were saved? Yes. Scripture says you cannot say that Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit helping you. But what I'm talking about in the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a whole separate, separate um, event. It's separate. And I can prove it to you by Scripture. Not tonight. Tonight we're on holiness. But without the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of holiness, as, it, as he is called in Hebrews, there is no hope of us becoming holy. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And Mikey, I'm going to wait on you, if you don't mind. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through the sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So in this scripture, who sanctifies? Sanctification by the Spirit. Do you see how the Holy Spirit is one of the agents of sanctification. Sanctification, as in every redemptive process, I want you to catch this because I feel like that this is, this is a real eye-opener, is always initiated by God. It's initiated by God. What do I mean? It begins by God choosing us. God chose us way before we ever chose Him. God made the first move. He didn't wait for us to make the first move. How many of us wait for somebody else to make the first move before we'll move? Not God. God in our life and our provision and everything that we need, he has made the first move. Now, does he require a move of ours? Yes, he does. But he's already made the move. 
God loved us when we were sinners, when we were nasty, when we were doing stuff we shouldn't have been doing. And he knew it. He knew what we were like. He knew what you were like. That's, that's scary, isn't it? Because we all kind of hide our stuff pretty good. But God knows you, and he did it anyway. God initiates. Therefore, look at how uh, the events in time follows here. It says, the Holy Spirit, how does it work? How does our work in sanctification or in the redemptive process work? How did it work in your life? Because I believe, I believe this to be true. The Holy Spirit started to work in me. He started to talk to me. Now, I got raised in a Christian home. But, but I will tell you that it was the Holy Spirit that turned my heart. The, my parents would take me. My parents would teach me. My parents would read the Word to me and pray over me. But it was the Holy Spirit that started to speak to me. The Holy Spirit begins to influence, influence us. And then He draws us aside from the broad way that leads us to destruction. All of a sudden, you're starting to hear this still, small voice saying, Man, that way just does not work. There is a better way. You know, when the lost come looking, the Holy Spirit is drawing him to himself. You don't know why you don't feel right. You don't know why it doesn't make any sense. You don't know why it's not working, but it's not. And the Holy Spirit starts start saying, there is an answer. So he draws us, he brings us face to face with the truth. The Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. Now when the Holy Spirit speaks, he speaks truth. And he speaks directly in line with the word of God. And as he starts to speak to you, all of a sudden your deception starts getting argued with, with truth. Your worldview, the prince and the power of the air, Satan is now starting to get argued with. And we're, we're, we're torn. We're torn. We're, we're starting to say, okay, this isn't working. The Holy Spirit starts drawing you to him. The Holy Spirit, when I was 17 years old, started drawing me to him to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was saved at five. The Holy Spirit was at work at all times. And you know what he does next? When he brings me face to face with the truth, he imparts to us faith to believe the truth. He starts speaking truth to us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And as the Holy Spirit starts to speak to you, our faith starts to grow. And we start to believe. Now look out. And through believing the truth, we enter into salvation. Now, in a nutshell, is that how you came to Christ? Because even though we may have walked an aisle, I did it. I, I did the traditional thing. I walked an aisle, I prayed a prayer. But I'd done it beforehand. I'd done it in my bedroom with this patchwork bed cover. Do you remember it? That stuff we had on those twin beds. I can still remember going and getting on my knees. My mom said, you want to go get on your knees and pray to the Lord? Yeah. <laughs> Why do you need to do that? Because I've sinned and I need a Savior. Five years old. Good enough. My heart was to get clean. I couldn't get clean any other way. You know, we think we can until that, that, that condemnation comes on us again. We think we've covered it up with alcohol or with relationship or with whatever. 
Video games. You know video games is, a, is an escape from reality? You know why I played video games? To escape from reality. Same as a drug. You zone out. TV will do it. A lot of times I watch TV just to not think about what's going on. To zone out. But truth brings me back down to the ground. Truth gives me the answer to face that problem that I've got. My problem is, is I, when I go to video games, I don't play video games anymore. Praise God, I got delivered of that when, when we had our first child. My wife helped, helped deliver me. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Let me tell you, that's what wives are for, man, to pull you out of your mess. Shoot. Uh, I got sidetracked with that one. All right, let's just keep going. Ephesians 2.8 tells us that we are saved through faith. Because as we start to hear the truth, we start to believe the truth. And we start to believe the truth, next thing comes is salvation. Salvation requires believing. Believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and that he, that he rose from the dead and he is now in, in heaven with God the Father making intercession for us. I, and I'm, I'm using all these, all these religious words. You know, I've been, I've been kind of hearing how the world can't understand a lot of the words we use in church. Sanctification and salvation and, and uh, what do I mean? I just start, you just start to believe when that word gets in. Next thing you know, when you start to believe it, you start to have faith. You can move mountains. We're saved through faith, and he reminds us that faith does not come by ourselves, but it is imparted to us as a gift of God. It's a gift. In this sense, we could define, sanct, uh, define sanctify as to be set apart. If you've, if you've been under much teaching at all when it comes to sanctification, you always get to that point. To be set apart. To be set apart, not just set apart. Set apart to God. And in many cases, the process of sanctification begins long before we personally come to know God. The Apostle Paul said that he was separated from his mother's womb in Galatians 1.15. And God told Jeremiah that he had, been, he had sanctified him in his mother's womb, Jeremiah 1.5. God begins to set us apart for himself long before we ever have any knowledge of it. I believe the Lord set me aside for ministry long before, long before any thought of ministry. God was preparing me. God has been preparing you. He set you, a, he had, he set you apart to himself long before, long before you were saved. God had a plan for you. God has a plan for you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 shows a similar picture of this process. It says, To the elect or the chosen, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. God's choice made in eternity is based on His foreknowledge, and it is never arbitrary, never random. You weren't some random choice. You were chosen on purpose. 
You were created on purpose to be sanctified, to be set apart for God. Sanctification is the process by which the Holy Spirit draws us aside to a place of confrontation with the claims of Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us the grace to obey the gospel. And when we obey, what happens? When we obey, the blood of Jesus is sprinkled on us. For obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. In both passages, 2 Thessalonians and 1 Peter, the initiative in the process of the sanctification is with God. God made the move. God made the first move. Jesus prayed to the Father for His disciples, sanctify them by your truth, but for your word is truth. Can I get by one more? I'm going to do one more. I promise you this is five minutes. The second agent of sanctification. Remember what the first one was? Holy Spirit. The second one is the Word. Ephesians 5, verse 25 and 26. We find the second agent of sanctification. Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. So I want you to catch this. This sanctification has come by the washing of the water of the word. We've also seen that the Holy Spirit is the one that sanctifies. Now, don't forget. Don't go into just into class mode where you're just listening and, and enjoying. You've got to remember our desire is to pursue holiness. How do we achieve holiness? How do we achieve holiness? First by the Holy Spirit, second by the Word, not in any particular order. But we're not doing this so that you can just have a good something to talk about. It's so that you can start to walk in a pursuit of holiness. Okay, so do you follow me? We, we don't need to all of a sudden just check out and say, man, that was, that was pretty good teaching. No, this is for application. So the word, very quickly, Ephesians chapter 25. Christ loved the church, gave himself forward, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word. In the Old Testament, after the blood was shed, I want you to catch me here, every sacrifice had to be washed in pure water. In the New Testament, 1 John 5, 6 says that Jesus came by water and by blood. The blood is the redeeming blood of Christ shed on the cross, and the water is the pure water of the word. Christ redeems us by his blood, then he sanctifies and cleanses us by the washing of the water of the word. Jesus prayed to the Father for his disciples, sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. That's John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. One of the main ways in which the Word of God sanctifies us is that it changes the way we think. How many of you have been living a, way, a certain way until all of a sudden someone speaks into you, whether it's the world or the Word, and you realize, I've been going the wrong way? But the Word will change the way you think. It is a change agent. What's it trying to do? It's trying to clean you up. 
It's trying to take you from living a lie to living the truth. How many of you, before you came to Christ, didn't know you were living a lie? How did that lie get proven wrong? By the washing of the water of the Word. Maybe you read it, maybe somebody spoke it over you. Maybe somebody sat down with you at coffee and started to to just share the Word with you every now and then. And I don't care how many times you've read the Bible. I've been in the one year, and listen, I am no, I would say I'm no scholar. Uh, There are so many people that can quote scriptures better than me. I can't, I have a hard time remembering. I couldn't remember the lyrics to a song we've sang for my whole life, The Lord Reigns. You know, I just can't remember. I forgot what I was going to say. Is that not hilarious? But so many times we live under a lie. Sometimes we call it a worldview. And the world is living by a worldview that's incorrect. Uh, one, of the, one of the fastest growing re- religions right now, I don't even know, even know that I could call it a religion, is atheism. Well, it's a lie. One of the greatest things that an atheist could do is try to prove that God doesn't exist. Because you can't. The thing that you can't prove is that by some bang we showed up. You can't prove that. Just by, I mean, I mean let, a bang and, and humans? Oh, hey, where did you come from? Nice. When you try to prove that God doesn't exist, you find God. It's truth. Washing of the water of the word. Sanctified by truth. It changes our way of thinking. Sanctification proceeds from the inside outward, not from the outside inward. The religious way to sanctification is to, and this is going to be kind of old school, is to lengthen the dress, cut the hair, don't wear makeup, get legalistic. No, Romans 12 verse 2 says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Y'all need to see that one. Be transformed. You know, I I was praying today over myself, and to be honest with you, I was was praying for people that I've struggled with. The, The Word of God says, pray for your enemies. Ask the Lord to bless them. And that's what I started praying was for transformation. And it's easy to pray, transform that guy. Lord, he's, he's, he's off over there, right over there. But no, no, no. And then I said, Lord, transform me. How many of you have been in a situation with a relationship and you didn't realize it, but you were the one that was messing up? You knew they were the one messing up. But then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that was me. So as I pray for things that I'm struggling with or relationships that I'm struggling with, I've got to be real quick to pray for them and then pray for the Lord to change me. The transform, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Ephesians 4.23 says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's the Holy Spirit that renews our mind. He does that through the truth, which is the Word of God. And I'll close with this. We, use the, we hear the term brainwash so many times in a bad sense. 
brainwash in a bad sense. But however, the word would be appropriate to describe the way in which the Holy Spirit renews our mind. What is the Holy Spirit trying to do? Take all that stuff, all that bad programming and reprogram. So that you don't see that enemy in that enemy in that light anymore of what they do wrong and what they do to you. Instead, you see them in the light of God. And that God loves them as much as they love me. And I don't know how God could do that, but it's somehow He does love them too. He died for them. And Lord, let me see, let me, let me love like you love. Not love like we're capable of loving. Not without the Lord. And that's superficial. It's got a hook in it. What can I get out of it? I've kept you all so late. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray that, Lord, that, we would, that this, would, this would go into us, Lord. That we would pursue holiness. That, Lord, we would pursue obedience. And, Lord, that we would desire your Holy Spirit to be at work in our life. And we need, Lord, we need to come to you and realize it is us that needs to change. Father, I come against an obstinate spirit right now in Jesus' name to think that we don't need to change. And Lord, I know I need to change. I can do so much better. But Lord, I can't without you. Father, over this church, I just pray that we would pursue holiness. And let me tell you, that is dying to ourself and being completely obedient to you. Lord, I just pray for our relationships. I just pray for our situations that we're facing. Lord, help us turn our anger and our bitterness, Lord, to love and to start praying for some people. Lord, let us, let us not carry around bitterness and unforgiveness. But Lord, let us turn that to praying. Father, bless those people. Restore them to you, Lord. And Lord, while you're doing it, restore us to you. We need to change. And show us where we're missing it. Thank you, Lord, for your presence and your power. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people that are here tonight. Lord, I ask that your hand would be upon them that you would enlarge their territory, that you would keep their heart from evil, and that you would bless them indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Y'all have a great night. We'll see you Sunday morning.